Chedesh, so we hope to have uh, Shir next Sunday as well, Rav Teshvuas. And we hope today to either finish or get close to the end of Shimshin. Although keep in mind, like any sugya, as long as we try to do it, it's hard to do justice to, uh, especially Shimshin, the era of his uh, status as a shayfit is often glossed over because we're so focused on the tumult on what didn't go 100% right and we lose sight of the fact that Lamaisa he protected Klai Yisrael for 20 plus years and then another 20 years after he wasn't here after the damage that he's about to do positive damage in terms of getting in one particular moment of tshuva, the cream of the crop I shouldn't use that expression because cream of the crop makes them sound good the uh, worst of the worst of all the notables of the plishtim are assembled in this arena and the preferred seating is only for the uh, nobles, uh, the noblemen noble is not a great word for them either, I don't want to give them any credit that might shade them in a positive light but all the Chashuve Am are in one place and the number we're going to have from the Pasuk of the 3,000 on the roof are just the Amaratzim who had bleacher seats and all the Chashuve people inside and when this comes down he will teach them a lesson that they're not going to forget for another 20 years afterwards. That's one of the diukim we're going to have when it repeats that he was Shafi for 20 years, even though we already had that in the Pussy before, and we will go over that. Why does it say it twice? But Nishami learns that it's to show you what transpired afterwards, that they were so scared for 20 years, even though Shimshin clearly wasn't alive. But they saw the Yad Hashem, and this Kiddush Hashem that he's about to do to undo the massive Chil Hashem that he's prisoner and that they're ridiculing him and it's a Mohammed against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he undoes a lot of that by being Mesa Nefesh, Thomas Nafshi and Plishtim. One of the Inyanim we have to at least touch upon today is what the heter for Thomas Nafshi and Plishtim is. Suicide is normally... Usser. It's usser in every circumstance unless you have a sugya where it's mutter slash mitzvah. There's really no parv. So shol is always the benchmark and the medrash by shol, which we learned here in the shir many years ago. Ach is dimchem medrash. Ach is always a miut. Yochel The medrash can be read a number of ways. Shol is an exception. question is why? So over there, he was mortally wounded already. You could say that about Shimshin. Shimshin's days were numbered in terms of the treatment of his physical body. How long can he last? Not exact dimyan. Shaul, we know, was mortally wounded. And the question is, will he fall into the hands of the Plishtim? Same people, different time. And he felt, A, it was a bigger chil Hashem if he's caught alive. This is on the tzad of the Medrash that there was a heter slash mitzvah for him to do it, or to ask his arms bearer to do it, whether he did it in the end. Remember, there's a Machalik, it's who the Nahr Maliki was, who came and boasted that he killed Shoal. Did he really kill him? 
was he boasting that he was asked to and he wanted to take credit and Dovid Mel killed him and why that's Mutter and then made some Russia. So it's a question who actually finished it, but he fell into the hands of the Plishtim over there, but Achamisa, so they couldn't torture him more, wouldn't have been a bigger Chil Hashem. And the parallel is they're going to be Mesonefesh to get his body for a proper Kavus Yisrael as befitting a Melech, and over here by Shimshin as befitting a Shefet. So the stories have a lot in common. So the one head to Bashol is that it would be a bigger Chil Hashem, and he's already mortally wounded, euthanasia is not mutter, but in this case to prevent the bigger Chil Hashem, and it was in the context of Muhammad. And he felt that the battle would be prolonged if they would capture him alive, and there would be a Mesonefesh to try to get him out, which would cost more lives. We have to explain that as well, how you allowed to be Mesonefesh to get the body for Kavurus Yisrael, and what amount of danger can you put yourself in. But those are the Shailas surrounding Shaul, and most of those Shailas surround Shimshin as well. Another aspect, which they bring up by the Medrash, by Aches Dimchem, Medrash is found on the Pasuk and Pashas Nayach, is that Shaul felt he'd be put in an Isayan and maybe it would look like he'd be forced to do a Vodazarim, which doesn't believe in, but that's the Yehar Vayavar, he'd be doing Averis, that perhaps he would be forced into, and he didn't want to be in that Matzav, and there is such a heter, based on the Sugin Gitten by the Chorban, with the hundreds of girls and boys who jumped off the ship. It's a mass suicide, normally not mutter at all. Um, they say the similar thing, that either they'd be tortured to the extent they wouldn't be only bin Isayan for the Aveir they're being asked to do, and therefore they're allowed to be proactive. If that comes up, uh, that's obviously uh, more than just a Syria Shaila, but these are young children, and the Gemara is masking to what they did. That's the Pella. They all intuitively understood that that's what is Ratzon Hashem. Or the physical torture that they don't have to be subjected to. It's even less clear. It could be a blend of both. You have all these things by Shimshin. Take that couple that with the fact that by Shimshin, one second, there's a bigger heter besides all those heter and by Shoal, and that is he's still in the matzah of the Muhammad. The Muhammad, he's fighting to call him Muhammad is what the Mepharshim over here debate. It was a one-man Muhammad. It has been the entire Kufa of Shimshin. But it's a Muhammad. He's the one who's trying to punish the Plishtim, scare them, Lamayishmu Viro, and overall he did a very good job at great personal cost to his own uh, Ruchnius and the Madrega he could have had. And it was dangerous. It was dangerous physically, it was dangerous uh, in Ruchnius, and it had an effect. Lamaisa, he got rid of a lot of Plishtim, scared them, scared them for 20 years afterwards and overall was a tremendous success. But he's still in the middle of the battle, and he feels that he can still make a Roshim, and perhaps the biggest Roshim. And indeed, looking back, this was the biggest Roshim he made. He killed more people now in quality, quantity, and for the duration of the next 20 years than he did when he was active. So putting aside the torture and the fact that maybe he was already a Trefer, maybe yeah, maybe not, he was going to die soon anyway, he would be in the Nisayan. Remember Rashi alluded to the Gemara that uh, while in jail they were asking him to be Mazana. He was Mazana. So to get out of that matzah of Averis being forced to do, that's also a parallel 
to what Shaul was afraid would be happening later. This is happening right now with Shimshim. So we have a lot of different etarim, and many of them might stand independent, certainly altogether, that he felt it was Ratzon Hashem the right thing to do. And the Pusik is Maskim. It goes down in history as Shimshin HaTzadik, more than Shimshin HaGiber. And he has this chus of having his body, B'derech Neis, fall in the other direction. He's not buried. And they find him, and they go in. Mesenefesh, they get him, and he's buried next to Manoyach, who was a big tzaddik. So, Lamaisa, his tshuva is accepted. And we're going to see yet in the Psukim what he was requesting of Shemayim, but the whole request, the sum total was, I want to be Mekai Shem Shemayim, I want to undo the Chil Hashem, I want to save more Yidin, I want to make a Reshem so that I saved after Ahmad here, and I want a personal Tikkun. And he's going to get all that. And that's how we know the decision was correct. Now we just have to figure out, why was it Mutter? So we just suggested three or four reasons that appear by Shol, and an extra one over here, that he's in the middle of a Mechama, can a person, can a soldier put himself in a matzah where he's going to do so much positive damage to the enemy, even though it's a suicide mission, it's still mutter. Is that ever okay? The answer is uh, rare, but it's quite possible if nobody else could do the job, and that's part of his job description, and certainly in this case, part of his tikkun. So we just said a lot in a few paragraphs, but... Those are the possible shitas and could be zev, 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 garim. Yes? That's why I'm um, hedging. We're, we're offering, I just gave a summary of many different shitas. There's a lot written on this. And a lot of these atam apply independently. Most of them are spoken about by Shoal. And there's a fair amount of machlekes over there, what the medrash means. But... All these tributes might be correct. Certainly, independently, some of them might apply more than others. It's always going to be a call and a bit of a rasha. The standard psak, soldiers are always in danger, we don't normally send people on suicide missions. There are cases where, for the sake of the klal, perhaps it's mutter, but that's not pashit. What was that? No, gimal ve'esachamur is din yaharvayavar. That's not what's going on. If he's in a position of Aynas, the Shaila with these Nus is a possibility. We'll put that aside. You notice when we saw the Rashi last week, Rashi mentioned the shot and made a reference to it, didn't even want to take it as the Pashup shot. So it's hard to work with that alone. And to say Zagavakatil is a trefa, it's not a het euthanasia, it's not mutter for a trefa, and some of his life, well, one minute early, it's, it's regular with Sicha. Although they say it by Shoal, but it might. If it is a het, there might only be by Shaul. That might not be the Matthias over here. He was still healthy enough. He was blinded, but could be be in jail for months and years. So it's hard to use those independently. The best het there is that for a personal tikkun, he felt he had to undo the chil Hashem. So if that's what you're pointing out, that kiddush Hashem to avoid the chil Hashem is mutter begimel maybe it's mutter for the overall kiddush Hashem, and that's really what they're saying. But it's a jump. The gimel vezchamer is a pinpointed. We're not asking a person to kill himself. We're saying if they end up killing him, is Yehovah for these three? Here he's being proactive. Had he not done that, they would have sent him back to jail after they're finished uh, ridiculing him. But he felt that, uh, besides some personal tikkun for Klai Yisrael, this is the worst chil Hashem that they're giving the credit to their gods, which the pasuk is going to say. So that's what we have to see in the psukim coming. But those are the possibilities. 
And what he's about to do again, Akash Baruch Hu, the nice was that it was engineered that they all come. Rav Minyan and Binyan of the Cheshuvay Am and many of the Pshutay Am are there and he's going to kill them all in uh, one shot. So let's go back to the Pasuk. Pasuk Chavbez, Perk Tazayim, Pasuk Chavbez, Hviyachol, Sar Roisha Litzameach, Kasher Gulach. And as we discussed last week, part of the nace was they didn't notice that. The Ikarnes is that he got a strength back. Mechatesi, remember, it's not really totally in his hair. And if he lost it, then the Anish is he lost it. So the fact that the hair is growing back doesn't mean that he's going to get back his strength. He thought it might be a possibility and he's going to act on it, and he's right. And they were not noticing it because Hashem didn't want them to see it. Hayat Hashem Tixer, the nace could have come and given him the strength even if the hair didn't grow back. But this is the way it went in terms of uh, the personal nace for him, and it was dependent on that even though it didn't have to be necessarily. Pasek Chav Gimel. And this was the mass of Chil Hashem that they're crediting Dagon with the capture of their enemy and they're making a big party to celebrate. You get an idea of how much damage he was doing thus far. They labeled him as the Machar Vartzenu. They weren't exaggerating over here. It's one man. How much damage could he do? The answer is they looked at him as uh, he was the single biggest issue that was destroying the whole country. And has caused many, many deaths, which he did. And he was trying to get them to quiet down. It sounds to me, we didn't mention this uh, before, but this battle, this one-man battle was protracted. It sounds like after he did a little bit of damage over here, a little bit of damage over there, they remembered for a little bit, and afterwards they started causing trouble again. It's not like there weren't terrorist attacks and things in between. Why would they do that? Don't they see he's dangerous? The answer is um, they were short memory, and they were still causing trouble. So it's not like he's taking revenge for years and years for something he did a long time ago. They were continuing to do what they were doing, which brought the need to have Shimshin fight back in the first place. So we're not talking about anybody innocent, hardcore of the Avarazar, and a real enemy. It's not like, uh, not that anybody here would think that, but uh, the uh, civilian casualties over here of striking back shouldn't have any Rahmanas. There's, as you mentioned at the very beginning, there's a country, a government, uh, governors of city-states, whatever, they had some hierarchy. And they could have gotten the word out that maybe don't go to Eretz Yisrael and burn down their fields and attack their people. And this fellow is a little hard to really follow and contain. Why don't we just stop? But they didn't do that for very long. That was the problem. Now, after this, they're going to do it for 20 years. And if you remember from Shmuel and Malachim, they're going to be back like a few bad pennies. Uh, Worse than that. So they're still going to forget. But 20 years already is uh, at least almost a generation but people remember what they want to remember afterwards. Usually that means drinking. Uh, this um, party they're having is, you'll notice, with taruvas, uh, men, women, and uh, 
a lot of uh, drinking and uh, they're supposed to be paying tribute to their to their gods so they're here just to uh, make fun and to torture him and he's blind he's being led by this uh, nar and he's standing right now between the amudim all the mafarshim point out the nesa, gabe nesa over here, just the way it was set up by Kosh beforehand, like everything else in life is, the before, before the maka. He's standing in a big stadium, and the entire edifice is resting on a couple of pillars in the middle that are within hand's grasp. Now, Shimshin, whatever you hold his general physique looked like, it wasn't huge. You could say he was average, below average. Uh, his hands were a little bit bigger, even if you want to say that. Not necessary to say that. So we're talking about two pillars, and he's holding it. Uh, how far apart were these pillars? Not very far. He, and he doesn't know where they are, but he tells the Nair, I just need to rest for a minute. You just, uh, I'll stand here. I'll give you some time off, which this Nair was more than happy to do. If the Nair had any brains... I'm not saying he wasn't inherently uh, smarter or less smart, but again, Akash Baruch Hu will let people see what they are supposed to see and let people understand what they're supposed to understand. If you have a prisoner like Shimshin with a history like Shimshin, and you're looking up at the stadium and you look at the architecture, probably not the best idea to let Shimshin stand anywhere near the pillars. But that's not the taina necessarily on the nar. That's when Akash Baruch wants to bring the nace, it's going to happen. Um, they had no idea that he's capable of doing anything and they certainly didn't hop that the matzav was such that if he gets his kayak back it's going to be dangerous for them that was all part of the nace please just show me where the amudim are keep me there you can take a five minute break he's in chains anyway and I just want to lean on them to rest for a few minutes. The Pasuk makes the very important point. It wasn't just a lot of people. It was all the people that were making decisions in Eretz Plishtim. All the notables and their families. The Medrash says that that's just the bleacher, worst, lowest paying seats in the house on the roof, not preferred seating. So there were 3,000 on the roof, and we have no idea how many people were trying to get in behind them and how many people were actually in the stadium, but as many multiples of 3,000. So the entire, the people on the roof are going to get uh, hurt and the Medrash points out as well especially them because if you have a preferred seat and you're a governor and you're part of the family and you get these uh, very hush of a seats because of your position in society and you're there because this is the event so you're there it doesn't exonerate anybody if you're the Hamanam and you realize an opportunity to make fun of the Yidden and to uh, ridicule and to torture somebody and you're climbing onto the roof climbing onto the roof I don't know exactly what it looked like, but probably it was not an easy uh, 
job to get up to that position. Not like uh, they had nice, elegant staircases going up for those seats. Uh, you had to climb on the roof. So you had to exert yourself just to be in position to watch somebody get tortured. So there's something even more inherently evil about that. And those people, the roof starts caving in first. Those people deserve to uh, get hurt even quicker. And the Mepharshim point that out. So as much as everybody, unfortunately, was enjoying this, uh, they were scrambling and working hard to get in there. It's hard for us to imagine. We'd like to hope it's hard for us to imagine. And we would like to hope the civilized society, even by the Umas Ailam today, it would be hard for them to imagine, but I don't know if that's true. We thought that before World War II also. But that people will enjoy a matzah where there's a gladiator and people getting swallowed by lions and attacked and uh, there are people climbing up on the roof. It's, it's hard work. You've got to climb all the way up to the roof. And uh, they didn't give you uh, padded seating when you got there. And they loved this stuff. That's a pretty base human emotion and reaction. That's animal instinct to the extreme. So this is part of society and the Plishtim were unfortunately very good at this. That's so far from what Yiddishkeit is all about. Talk about, remember the first kula we had in the Chukasayim Sugya is our Meshach going to a ball game. Was not Chukasayim because the Etzim sport was to have a good time and uh, he said the Galachim don't like it anymore and it's not religiously motivated, Amesha wasn't advocating, especially in the matzah of today, he wasn't talking about the Sneas and the other issues involved, which have gotten exponentially worse since Amesha wrote that tshuva. He said, Chukosayim, it wasn't. The Chiddush of that is not that it's not tied in with the Vodazar, that's just the Metzias. Then it was. Here, here it clearly is. Why? I don't know. She is, after everything we've said so far, it's interesting you raised that point, She's very, I'm not giving her a pass on anything. She's very difficult to figure out. I, even like it's horrible to imagine she's in, in many ways the worst villain of the story. But it's so bad, like what was she thinking? So the stand-up shot is she was miyashiv in her mind, which was wrong that uh, he can't keep this up anyway and I want my husband and rather have him alive and tortured but alive because he can't keep eluding the law and they're going to catch him sooner or later and better do this, I make some money. Little did she know that the last part of the sentence about the make some money is what jaded the whole opinion and she betrayed him in the worst possible way. The plishtim, again, not being malam ischus, the plishtim, you could tie it at this point, we're sort of defending themselves. That's why I mentioned a few minutes ago, if they really want to defend themselves, they should top, stop attacking the Yidden, and then the war will be over. But that they didn't want to do. Uh, yeah, right. So they didn't want to do that. They're just, just to stop the hostilities, that, that wasn't an option. And maybe to give it and be makir, the Kosh Baruch Hu is the only God and strong at that. They didn't want to be makir either. That's why they're celebrating now. So plenty of riches to go around. But where she was at this point, I hope... At least she was at home counting her money, <laughs> not in the stadium. I, I would imagine, I, I'd say anybody brought that up, but that would really be, as twisted as her logic was, there would be no way L'charitim Yashiv, if her logic was, I'm saving my husband, you don't go to watch him be tortured. So I would imagine she's not there, but who knows? I'd be kind of shocked if she was. 
mean, you could say if you want to be done, so she's sitting there saying to Helen that you should be okay? I, yeah, you can, uh, I, yeah, she's a real mystery, but she's, uh, what's not a mystery is um, ABCs of uh, marriage and Shalom bias is whatever you do, don't turn your husband in. Uh, or your wife, for that matter. I mean, you know, v'chein lo yasa. So, we don't know, and we don't even know what the motive. We don't even know. There's still two sheets of mafreshim. Was she Jewish to begin with? Just a little bit off and living near the plishtim. Uh, was she a gayeris? Was she uh, was it a good gayeris? Um, at any point in time, he obviously saw some mylas in her. Uh, to uh, feel this is proper and the day to day living in the house, it was all there. All Shemshed wouldn't have been there for more than two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly doubt she's anywhere near the, the stadium. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Hamanah probably would have looked at her as fully Jewish and might even have been dangerous. The Sarnay Plishtim bribed her. That was an undercover operation. I don't know what the Hamanah knew about this. So, so we don't know what happened, but it's really bad in terms of her Ruchnias and the decision she made. And it's, None of the Jews knew that she was bribed. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. We know this because we're, we have a Navi in front of us with a lot of Gemaras and Mepharshim, but again, that's not uh, giving anybody a pass on anything that happened. It's pretty horrific, but I, I highly doubt she was anywhere near here. So again, Starts to say his last tefillah. Yeah. We see more about Shimshin over here than we saw the whole time because the whole time we're trying to figure out on his madrega what went wrong. And keep in mind, as we mentioned last week at the very beginning, a few months ago, the Pasuk gives some haskama to the first marriage. It's more than some haskama. It says that his parents didn't know Meshem Yetzadavra. With that said, we are wondering, I just gave an example, and it's, it's time to chaza this, to pull it together. He clearly needed to make an association with the plishtim, to get in good with them, to surprise them, and do damage, but yet make them feel so confused, they're not sure, is he one of us, one of them? Otherwise, he's going to strike back at the Eden. If he's labeling the war as a war for the Jews, it's not going to work, he's only one person. So he had to do something. I left as a question, perhaps even the first marriage, is it and it was a tain on him already there? Yes, it fit into the plan, and therefore the parents didn't know Meshem Yetzadavah. Just to answer, why would you want to marry her? There are enough Jewish girls who would love to make this shidduch, and they couldn't understand it. So that, the Pesach says, is a plan. It was L'Shem Shemayim, but still, L'Shem Shaz Madrega, there could have been a better option. And then, it wasn't Avera per se, but after that, it went from... Bad to worse, and the lady in Azza was he Mazana, was he not? It's still a machlekes mafarshim. And then Dalila, um, she had qualities, obviously, you saw it was not a great decision, certainly for somebody of his stature. What was the other option? I suggested maybe go into business with them. That's an easy way to pick a fight and have a close association with the business associates and go out for uh, a few business meetings to a fancy restaurant, spend some money, as we discussed yesterday. You can even drink some uh, beer with them, not wine, uh, like Zero already, and make a close friendship. Ki'ilu is making a close friendship, and then have a fight. And pick a fight and kill some police them. That's not... Yeah, but he did it with the wife. I'm suggesting just make the business without getting married. 
So does that fit into the first passage? Because the very first comment on his marriage was, no, it's may Hashem Yatzadav, his parents didn't know. Is that just a friend for his parents couldn't understand what in the world, why would he even entertain this? And this is the Havamina? Or no, it was so solid, this is absolutely what he should do. Certainly from there, it was a dangerous, uh, slow, slippery slope, but this is what caused the on call at point oh one percent and Shimshon now the godless is he recognizes it he understands right away when he's blinded the Midikangamida he understands why he's captured now he just wants, desperately wants to undo the Chil Hashem that's going on right now and he wants to do it in a way that Thomas Nafshi and him is that he wants to fulfill his role to protect Klai Yisrael and that he's going to do very well for 20 more years and he also wants to have a personal tikkun he wants to be Zechah to Kavirutz Yisrael. He doesn't know at that point what's going to happen, but we know that the reference in the original Ravua about uh, the horseman who's falling off the horse that way is a reference to Shimshon and that his body is preserved and they're able to get it. He doesn't know that at the time. He hopes for it. He knows one thing, that he has to make a tikkun because he's the one who's going to kill Hashem, and therefore he has a right to get killed for it. And that's probably the most compelling answer to the Shaila we raised at the beginning of the year. How can he put himself in a matzah of Thomas Nafshi and pleased him? The answer is, he's fighting a war, he's uh, in the Sayan, and maybe he'll be continuing to do things that are Yehar Vayavar, Pershol. The most compelling one is he has a right to the personal tikkun, and he realizes that if he dies, people understand that it was his imperfection. And his main job is to protect Klai Yisrael, which he'll do, and that'll be a Kiddush Hashem. And the main job is to show the Yad Hashem, which he's going to do, but he's going to die in the process. And that sort of a message to people that if something went wrong, that was a Pagam in me, not in the ability for Hashem to save Klai Yisrael. That, that's an important component. So that's always the preferred way. And for us, this can never be Rahman uh, Aslan tried at home in any scenario. The, the Heterim, as we keep talking about Shoal and Shimshin, there are only two examples in history where this is even spoken about as a possible Heter. Normally it's Usr, and uh, barring another couple of stories in Rishainim, and a couple of Gemara actually, the Eitzah is not to put yourself in a boat without paddles or try Abramis based on yourself. I picked those two examples because you're all familiar. Those are the two stories I'm referring to, one of the Rishayim and one of the Gemara. That's not the usual way to handle it. It's, can I have another day, another Yom Kippur, and, and do tshuva? Apparently, in his Madriga, and his Ruch HaKesh, he understood that that was not happening. He wasn't Zecha to that. And he has to work with the matzah he has, and we have to assume that he understood that at the time. That's why I didn't ask for it. Otherwise, yeah. Right, and the, to show the, that Hashem is still here with Klai Yisrael, and they're going to learn that very well, and Klai Yisrael is going to see that, and that's going to be a massive Kiddush Hashem undoing the Chil Hashem. But the fact that Lemaise, he was captured, he was blinded. So how do you answer that? So if he gets killed, they'll recognize at the same time there was a shortcoming in his Avedah, despite the success. And that's a tricky thing, but Klai Yisrael apparently, he understood, was mature enough and understanding enough to figure that out. That's why you do what Right, that's a good a good deal. Right. Now, if we're if we're discussing it a couple thousand years later, you can imagine there were a lot of shiurim given after that happened to explain to the people. Picture on a on a on a Masay Shabbos or a Sunday morning, and um, the people understand. Like, how do we make sense of this? It was tragic. We lost Shemshin, but look at a clop he gave them. So I'm sure this was explained. If this is the Mahalo, this was explained at the time.
but we just have to figure out what we're learning from it. So this is his tefillah. Chavches v'yikar shimshon Hashem v'yemar Hashem alokim zachreinina v'chaskeinina acha pam azeh alokim v'i nakma nikam achas mishdei enay miplishtim. This is very deep Kabbalah and. Besides the Pasha Pshat, so there's no Pasha Pshat here. But he knows he's blinded, two eyes, and he wants to get to Alam Haba, obviously. He understands, to understand Schar Vainish and the qualitative Schar of each Yisurim by Alam Hazah is very difficult. We have one formula that the Gain told the Talmud. Misa once, he once uh, was giving a shear to his select group of Talmudim. All the Gain Shirim most of the time he's learning alone in the room, were to select Tamidim. Didn't have yeshiva, so alone, or a small group of Tamidim. So he's once giving a Musr Shmuz on Gehenim, and Tzchar uh, and the responsibility of every word and every machshava, and that's very real. And uh, you're hearing that from the guy directly, so one of his Tamidim, who is a a big tzaddik in his own right, and a big tamachacham was so nervous, he was, he was sick, he was not from Lamishkov. And the guy came to visit him, and he told him, you got to be very, obviously, careful as the guy was in every word, Stam, and he understands he got sick at a pacha, at a Yerushalayim. So he said, first of all, everything I said yesterday in that uh, shmuz, in that vad, is 100% true, and it's all correct. Well, how's he going to have a full shleim if he hears that again? He says, however, you should know that Yisur and Be'olam has a ratio that's very lopsided compared to the Tikkun it makes Be'olam And you're sick right now, and you had Yisur in the last uh, day or two just from this. The Yisur themselves, if you're Makab Ba'ava, that cancels a lot of the Anshim in Be'olam It doesn't mean a person should ever, Rahman Salaam, ask for it. They don't ask for Nisanis, they don't ask for Yisurim. But the simple thing, just getting out of bed and uh, you know, stubbing your toe, uh, halila, or putting your hand in your pocket and you can't find that quarter, or you're fumbling around the morning and you can't find the coffee, or all the other um, small little things in life, everything is a kapar. If it's accepted ba'ava, to keep in mind that we're not tzaddikim and everybody has things on their cheshben, and... Kosh Baruch Hu, out of Rachmanes, gives us what we can handle, but better by Lamazet. That is the aside, and the Gain gave him chiyas on that, because that is a nechama to at least work with it, not canceling or mitigating the chashivas of the Schar Vainish and the Pachad of an Avera. So, Shimshin knows all that and a lot more, and he understood the two enayim, he can use one now for Elam Azet to ask for this one last nace for his personal teak, and he wants to save the other one for Elam Haba. What I alluded to before about what we don't understand about this, which is come out to everything, is why is it a trade-off? It, he's doing this L'Shem Shemayim for Tshuva, and he's doing this to save Klai and they should be scared for the next many, many years, and that's all good, so why is that not Elam Haba itself? Why does he have to give up one for that? I might even begin to answer that because we can't answer that. You have to know the balance of what value each thing has in Alam Hazam. And you'd have to be Shimshon. And even Shimshon was asking. He didn't know whether he's going to be granted, but he's asking and he's sort of asking for a trade off. But the Pasuk gives us this information to teach us that the Yisurim Balamazah is 
again, not to ask for it, but to be makabalit ba'ava, and the reason he had a right to ask for it is because he was makabalit, and he was makabalit ba'ava, and he took full responsibility, and that gave him the schus. I think, again, Einlan Asik ben Asteris, but, you know, the famous Misa also with the Vilna Gain, where every Erev Sukkot in Europe was very exciting because they can find Lou Van Esser. And all the Gemaras and all the Rishayim and Shulchan Aruch about the, uh, the old Lulavs, you know, we, we look at that. There's old Lulavs, that means you bought it three weeks ago? So, <laughs> they, uh, you'd be amazed how they describe these things, like ancient, like brittle, how brittle, and we don't have these problems today, but that's a recent fix. So you couldn't find one, and you all know the famous Misa, the guy already had Shlichem beforehand all over Europe to try to find one. Couldn't find one, for all the money in the world, and they finally found one Gvir who had bought a set, and they said, it's for the Vilma Gain, you got to give it to us, and he didn't want to part with his Abraminim, but he had the Vilma Gain, he wants to give the covenant, he said, okay, you know what, I want the Schar of the Mitzvah. Ah, okay, they give it, don't give it, but okay, I'm not the, I don't know who the guy was, but this is the Maisa. So Schar Mitzvah, so they had no choice. They handled it. I'm not giving, I want the Schar Mitzvah. I'm happy to give it for free, I don't want any money, just the Schar Mitzvah. Schar Mitzvah of one, the teal of the guy, little Vanessa. Smart guy. Shailiz was it a nice thing to do, a different story, but that was the deal. So they came to the guy and they didn't have to bring it up. I said, Rabbi, the good news is we have Robert Minim. The other news is, is that uh, this is the deal. The guy was elated. So I finally do a mitzvah 100% Lashma. No schar? Mamish lishma. So that's the way they tell over the Maisa. He was very, very extra happy that year in the doing of the mitzvah. So when you hear the story, most people think, well, okay, so he did the mitzvah lishma. So he got even more schar because now he's doing 100% lishma. It's got to be, that's got to be the end of the story, right? Who knows? But I'm bringing that up, as you understand, over here. He's asking for the schar of one eye to do this nace for Klaisal and have his tikkun and make the Kiddush Hashem. No, that's all great. That's a big, big schus. So then when he got to Elam Haba, he has the schar of both eyes and one eye. Who knows? But there's something to this. It's not just, it's not a, not a charade. It's, just, it's a real deal. Yes? Could be shown that he knew that he, he, he was a Oh, oh, yes, oh, he was. He was asking him to that. That's part of the tshuva. And that's the pasuk shot. But I'm just saying, because he was makar of that, and he was makab of ava. Maisa, he had the full schar of the yisurim. What the yisurim do from the first maisa with the gun of getting the full elam haba that he got, and all the chazals indicate that, and that's why they buried him with the Manoich, and that's why he goes down histories of Tzadik and Shefet. So, that's why I said, we're not gonna, we already said too much by the Schar Vainish, it's Eilon Eisig Ben Esteris, but it's a, it's a very, this tefillah is a very, very deep uh, tefillah. Lamaisa, he gets it, Pasuk Chavtes, Vayilfa Shimshin Eshnei Amudei HaTavach, Asher Abayis Nachan Aleim, Vayisamach Aleim Echad Mimina Vechad Besmoiloi, Speaking of ending on a good note, well, it's going to be good for Klai Yisrael, I guess good for the Tikkun Neshama. He grabs both pillars, Vayem Shimshin, Thomas Nafshi, and Plishtim, Vayet Bekayach, Vayipol Habayis, Al Hasranim. Notice how Vayet Bekayach is, he has to exert some strength. He had his Kayach back 
which was supernatural at this point because you can't bring down pillars like this. They built it all on one pillar. That was Mehashem Yetzadavra, but it was still extremely heavy. So remember when he was slipping slowly into the Lila's clutches and each time he got out, but it took more exertion. So Hashem gave him back enough to bring down the house, so to speak. But it was with the understanding you're not going to get back what you originally had enough to have this tikkun. And that's what he was asking for. And in this one moment, he killed more quality and quantity than he did his entire life. To be buried next to a tzaddik takes chusim and madregas, which Pasuk is, again, reiterating, he had, especially after this tikkun, vushafat as he saw esem shana. The big tumult over here is, why does this repeat the esem shana again? We already had that before. We mentioned the Yishalmi says to show that his tenure was 20 years, but now he was shaifed as in like protecting Klaisel for another 20 years just from the fear that he instilled from this Misa. If you look at the Radak on Lamed Aleph Ushafat, he asked the Kasha, as does everyone, Hare Amar Lamaylav Yishpris Yisrael. Now, if you look back and Perik Tezval Pasichaf for a moment. After the Misa with the Lachi, he killed the Plishtim, and then he got very thirsty. He almost died because he took on his Madrega too much credit for the Nase, even though it was one extra word. And he had to dive in there just to save his life. The end of that Perik, Pasachaf and Perik Tezvav, the Yishbad is Yisrael Bimei Plishtim Esrim Shana. It sort of like closes off the whole Parsha of him being a Shefet. So if it did that over there, we know it's 20 years. What is this 20 years? That's what the Radak is asking. And the Radak says, go back to the Radak, Because afterwards, he started slipping, and afterwards was Azza and all the other things, where he still does damage, still scares them, walks away with the gates and the walls. But that was like the high point of his Rosham, and afterwards it went downhill. And now it closes it off officially. After he's shafed, it always tells you the amount of years he was the shafed. The Vedak concludes with the second shot from the Yushalmi. The Vedak it shows the tremendous ration he made and the Swiss he had to do that for another 20 years. So it ends off on, even though he's killed here, on a positive point and the fact that he was Zechad to Kavurus Yisrael. Remind me next week that to go back to the painful issue of what's the heter for his brothers to go into Plishti territory and rescue the body. That sounds dangerous. The simple shot is. It's a calculated risk over here because the Plishtim are good and scared and recovering. So they figured they'll slip in. It was more of a kasha by shoal. Over there, I'll cover Amalchus. They felt they had to rescue him. And both places, the Mepharshim say it was okay. Rachmala Aslan, today's matzav, it also comes up. 
in Eretz Yisrael, and the Armaisa Nefesh, the question is to what point Lamaisa Kavurus Yisrael is very important, but not the risk of actual life. And it's hard to learn from here, because here it was calculated, and the Plishtim were in a daze, and they felt they could get in, even though it was somewhat dangerous. Have a good yantif. Mitzvah Shem will continue on Sunday.